You're listening to The Homeschool Dropout. I'm your host, Mike Roberts. Let's talk about bridging the gap between homeschool and the professional world. All right, welcome back, everyone. Another episode of The Homeschool Dropout. I have Zach Morell, who is Winslow Morell's older brother. And I believe Winslow is highlighted in either episode four or five. So you can go back and listen to Winslow's take. And we've got Zach here. We're going to bring him on and get his perspective as well. We're just going to get the whole family in here eventually. So Zach, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. So let's go through your background a little bit. Zach is a bachelor's in financial planning. Zach did summer sales selling pest control for three summers. Zach currently owns 10 properties, which is really impressive, actually. 10 properties. How old are you, Zach? I'm 30. 30 years old and you have 10 properties. Yeah, we'll have to get into that. I think that's impressive. It's a lot of luck, man. Things get to hit the right times. So you've got a really strong real estate portfolio. And then once you finish your bachelor's, you started working at Arrive Homes, which I believe is a Utah company. Yes. So I kind of transitioned from summer sales directly into working with Arrive all in one summer. So I kind of worked out well, and I can give you more background on that. Okay, great. We'll get into that. And you're working at a sales agent, and then you're a new father of one. So congrats. Thanks, man. It's been uh, quite the journey. Okay, so let's do this. Why don't you, just like all of our guests, we need some background. We need to know your experience doing homeschooling. So take us through your path there. Oh yeah, I was homeschooled till I was eighth grade. Every sibling started at a little bit of a different age. Winslow kind of covered this in his podcast, but we lived in Vegas and we lived there till I was seven, moved to Utah. And I don't really remember being homeschooled in Vegas at all. I don't know if that's just my memory, but... How old were you when you moved? So we moved to Utah when I was seven. I do remember like reading with my mom and doing things like that. So I'm sure she was doing it. For some reason, it just wasn't in my memory. But I think part of that is because in Vegas, the environment's a little bit different. And when we moved to Utah, it was kind of like a lot more freeing for us as kids because my parents would let us go out more and let us go play with the neighbors. And we met a lot more people. So the the neighborhood in which we grew up really was a lot different from the environment we were living in Vegas. For instance, I remember one Sunday we came home and our neighborhood was blocked off by SWAT. And it wasn't a bad neighborhood. It was just some weird guy holding up his wife, I think, in their home. And Oh, gosh. But I don't remember it being a bad neighborhood or anything. It was just a weird situation. But in Elkridge, where we moved to, it was never like that. It was, you knew all your neighbors. You knew how many kids they had. It was a very community central area. So... Okay, so a little bit different. So what was homeschooling like in Utah? I remember, well, I feel like the reason I differentiated then is because I had a lot more friends in Utah and they were all going to school and I wasn't. So that's the first time I think I remember making a recollection saying, oh, like, this is different because all my friends go to school, but why don't I go to school? Okay, so that was, that was really present as a kid. You really felt that distinguishing aspect that I'm not like everyone else. Yeah, just in the fact that that we homeschool. And it's unique because Winslow talked about this as well, but my family comes from a background of educators on my dad's side. Like all of his brothers and his parents were all educators and yet we're homeschooling. <laughs> so, I mean, that's pretty, that's a pretty drastic change. Yeah, I, you know, I have always reflected or thought about that where your dad's an educator. He's teaching, I think middle, I, I think I went to one middle school class that your dad was teaching for some reason, but then all you kids are at home. And that dichotomy has always been really interesting to me. 
And Winslow touched on it a bit. Yeah, I've I've always wondered that too. I will I would love to know the conversations that had when we were children and how that went down because I think that probably had to be a little bit touchy for a while. Yeah, yeah. Anything with kids, it, you know, there's a lot of strong emotion behind children, and so it, it can get tough. Yeah. So I don't with with homeschooling. Here's what I would say are some of the pros to it. Well, this is a pro and a con for me. I don't feel like there was a ton of structure to it. It was kind of nice in the way that my mom would give me my books and my assignments and she'd be like, go read this, go do this. And when you're done, you're done. If you're not done, it's going to take you longer. You're going to have to figure it out. So that was nice because it was kind of like I could learn at my own pace in a way, which I feel like in school, it's like you've got to either keep up with the class or you're bored. Yeah, definitely. That's a real aspect of of the system. It's a trade-off. Yeah. So, I mean, having that unstructured ability is kind of nice but it's also like i i know there were times where me as a kid i took advantage of it and i'd be like yeah i'm done and was i done no did i study it no i just didn't want to do it and i pieced out kind of on that yeah in my very first episode i talked about my homeschooling experience i kind of touched on this accountability system my parents tried to set up and i absolutely fibbed on some of those things where i just made up what I studied. I was like, oh yeah, I, I read this and I did that. But there were so many kids at home, so many things going on that I, I definitely had space to take advantage of that. And if you asked my mom, she she would definitely back that up. I knew how to kind of work those loopholes. Well, and I think when you're homeschooling, if you're homeschooling everybody and you've got a large family of, you know, three plus kids, you can't focus on all of those kids and they're all at different ages. So they're learning different things at different times. And it's hard to narrow in and just focus on that one kid maybe because basically the other kids you gotta give them some leeway and let them learn what they're learning at a different time okay so you were being homeschooled structure was something that you definitely felt wasn't very strong so when did you start going to the charter school so i was eighth grade okay so homeschooled completely up until eighth grade what was that like? You you know you're different from other kids. You're being homeschooled and then you're full-time, what is that, 13, 14 years old into a system. Did that feel uncomfortable? Like the first few days were kind of a little weird. I mean, the nice thing is when I talked about the community I grew up in, it was we had a lot of friends. We played with people growing up. Winslow and I, and we played a lot of sports. So like, I don't feel like we were behind socially because we were always involved in team sports, which I... I'll always advocate for sporting programs and team sports because I think you grow and learn so much from being on a team. But I don't feel like, I mean, it was, it was just getting used to a, to more of a schedule at school than anything else. Okay, kind of the rigor of you're doing this for an hour, hour and a half, and then you're doing this for an hour and a half and, and getting used to that cadence where it is very time-driven. You've got bells that determine when you're going to learn what, at what time. And so that's very different usually than homeschool. Yeah. Because I'm like, some of those assignments, I, I felt like I could finish faster. And I'm like, well, now I just sit here until everybody else is done. And then some of the assignments, I I felt like took me a lot longer. And then I wasn't done when I should have been done. So yeah, which highlights maybe the trade-off between homeschool and public school as well, where I mean, this is basically what you're saying. In homeschool, there tends to be less structure, but then some kids might need a little more structure in order to learn what they need to learn. And then in public school, sometimes it's too rigid, you know? So I don't know, massaging those trade-offs just right for each child, I think is challenging when you're looking at homeschooling potentially. Absolutely. And I think going off of that, I 
I don't think there's one way that no matter what you do in life is going to be like the best form of education for your kids because there's there's not like one size fits all for everybody. I think having lack of structure sometimes is a good thing because you have to learn how to work by yourself. I mean, I hate one thing I hate is I hate being micromanaged. And I don't want someone looking over my shoulder constantly and telling me how I need to work and perform my duties in my job today. And a lot of it is that the job I work today is unstructured. I think I benefited a lot by kind of having a little bit of unstructuredness in my life growing up to where I, I could pick and choose how I'm going to use my time. As I've been having these conversations with homeschoolers who have gone on and, and are in their you know, 20s and 30s now, it's surprising how many of us are entrepreneurs, real estate agents, you know, in these industries where there's no clear path, there's no clear direction, we kind of have to carve it out ourselves. And I don't, you know, I don't have data on this, but it's an interesting correlation that homeschool tends to correlate really well with people being independent, driven individuals and hobbies or in their profession or something like that. So I, I guess I'm just curious if there's really something there that you're, you're touching on. See, I, I wonder, I think it helped me with that, but you'd have to get, you know, down to the statistics and survey a lot yeah. of people to probably find out if it does. It's a good question. I don't know. But for me, it helped. So let's go back really quick to your homeschool days. Do you have regrets about being homeschooled? Uh, not really. I think it would have just been fun to meet more people and kind of grow up with people through elementary, high school, and junior high. As far as education goes... I don't feel like I was left behind too much. We did a lot of reading and math focus and then a lot of history and government, which I think is good. I feel like where I didn't succeed very well is probably with English and grammar. My grammar's terrible. Like it's so bad. But most of that's probably my fault because I hated I hated the English. That was a topic and subject with that I just thought was so boring. Get me out of there kind of thing. Sure. And honestly... A lot of people in the public system come out with poor grammar as well. You know, it may have been no different for you in either system, but it is something that's been as prominent for you. Yeah. And what I, I like to look at that and say, okay, based off all of my educational experiences, it's not the system where you do well. It's just having a good teacher. If you have a good teacher that can explain the subject, captivate you and get you interested in it, you're going to do better. I think overall, even in my college and high school experience, experiences and with my different teachers. I've had some teachers where I'm like that teacher, I might've had a terrible grade, but I feel like I learned so much more in his class because it was challenging versus this teacher. Like I wanted to put my headphones in, put, pull my hoodie <laughs> over my head and fall asleep. You know, as I look back at my life and try and identify people who really impacted me, they end up being teachers. Like my parents, huge impact. They're basically teachers, right? And then I mentioned this in my first episode. I struggled with math until my algebra two teacher my sophomore year in high school in the system. And now I'm well into my engineering career. So it changed my life in a big way, having her as a teacher. And so I think you're right. It's There's a lot to be said for the quality of instruction that you get in or out of the system. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, especially with a math teacher, that's so critical. If you have a teacher that can keep your attention and focus and explain it to where you can understand it, you're going to excel so much better. And you're going to not mind the time you're spending in, in his or her class. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Okay. So then let's talk about graduation and moving into college. Did you graduate from the charter school and how was that transition? Yeah, I, I graduated from the charter school 
And then I didn't go to college right away. I went directly on to my two-year LDS mission. That was good for me because at that point, I wanted to go on my mission directly and not go into college because I wanted a break. Okay, so you you leave high school, you go on your mission. Why don't you give some background real quick, Zach, for listeners who aren't familiar with LDS missions, what the expectations are and what the day-to-day looks like so they can see that structure. Yeah, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe from what I remember, we woke up at 6.30, we exercised for a half hour to an hour, showered, got dressed, and then from there we would go and study for two hours. We would have an hour of gospel study. I went Armenian speaking, so my mission assignment was... Armenian speaking in Glendale, California. So they have about 100,000 Armenians in that area. And I was strictly assigned to teach them about the gospel. I was actually the first called ever to that mission, Armenian speaking. It was it was cool, but this is the, the kicker, I think. I got there and I didn't have a trainer that spoke <laughs> the language. So it, it was really three to six months of me failing repeatedly trying to speak to these people. I had an intense anxiety. I thought I was going to wake up and say, or come home from my mission, but I hated every minute of that. Hmm. But Eventually, I learned the language and it came a little bit, you know, more and more each day and to the point where I could have conversations and I could teach people. We could go back and forth and it's still a very difficult language. And I wouldn't say I'm perfectly fluent, but I got to the point where I could handle what I needed to during the day and fulfill my assignments. Very cool. So you you go from high school into this really intense experience, high structure, high demand, high learning environment. And eventually, you know, it's a two-year gig. And at the end of that, you, you feel successful, you feel good, and then you go come back and go into college. I was really motivated and really had a high desire to, you know, conquer the world in a way. I remember sitting down talking with my dad post-mission and he's like, well, you just learned Armenian. You taught yourself the language, basically, and you were the first to do that. And you didn't have someone over there teaching you the language. So he's like... College should be pretty easy to you now. Okay, so then you come back, you go into your bachelor's. Were there any gaps or things that crept up while you're getting into college that you felt like were maybe remnants from homeschool? I I don't really feel like there were. I felt like, in fact, I'll tell you this. My only thing with college is I feel like it's a total bureaucracy. And and, uh, I feel like they waste a lot of time, but it was a good experience still. Can, Can you think of or share any aspects of that kind of bureaucratic system and what you did in order to do well within it? Yeah. So I feel like college is all about a higher education, a higher level of learning, and that's what they claim. But they're so rigid in their requirements. And I understand like you get the syllabus for the semester and this is what the teacher expects of you. But there wasn't, I feel like a lot of flexibility in options with that. And I didn't know what I wanted to study right when I got home yet. So I was just finishing my associates and I knew I wanted business, but I felt like talking to my counselors, they were requiring me to take these elective classes that I had no desire to take. And they were just to help me accomplish my associate's degree when in reality, they were just a waste of time for me. I I reflected on this a lot. What you're kind of making me think of is, okay, I'm actually having a couple of things come to mind. The first is, One challenge with college is in order to gain reputation, they have to be accredited. And in order for students to leave with any sort of like backing to their degree, the college needs to be accredited. And to be accredited, there's these requirements that come from 
like higher education board saying, we're not going to certify your school unless you have these things in place. And so the college is responding in some aspects to this greater like rating system that exists. And so I think that really impacts the college student where now you're having to do these extra things that aren't really focused on your interests and what you want to learn. And so I, I don't know, I think there's a real trade-off there as well. In homeschool, <laughs> for better or for worse, no one cares about accreditation in homeschool because, you know, your your credentials are basically I'm a parent and this is my experience in the world and I'm going to teach as much as I can. And so there's no response to an external accreditation system. So I don't know, I, I guess I'm not saying one is better or worse, but there's a trade-off there. Totally. And I think as a parent, it's number one, your responsibility for your child to get them as much education as they possibly can have. So like, I look at, you know, we have a six month old now and I look at her and I'm like, okay, like this is my job. Am I an accredited high school teacher? No. And I don't even know if we would ever consider homeschooling her at this point, mm -hmm. but Yes, if we send her to school, the teachers will teach her, but it's still my job to make sure she knows as much as she can and she's prepared as much as she can be for the world. I like that approach a lot because it's recognizing even if parents decide, oh, we're going to use the public system and that's the way we're going to go, the parent can still teach and influence and, and especially transmit values. I think that's the real role of a parent is what are my values? How am I going to communicate that to my children? And you can do that in or out of the system. Might be easier in homeschooling, but you can still do it if you're public schooling. Absolutely. And I think that's where homeschoolers have the advantage is they do get their parents' values. Because I think they've had a study in which they said at eight years old, after eight years old, your influence shifts from your parents to your peers. Hmm. So during that time, I think you have a lot more influence over your kids. But then if you're homeschooling, you have even more influence over your kids for good or for bad. Yeah, I recall my mom sharing when we were being homeschooled, she would tell us one reason why she wanted to homeschool was because she wanted us to be absolutely sure about who we were as people before we ever were told by an outside source who we were. Like we really knew who we were as a person before we entered the world. And so, and like you said, for better, for worse, sometimes exposure teaches us more about ourselves than we could get otherwise. Okay, let's move into your profession now. Talk to listeners about your real estate portfolio, how you got into that and how you're managing all the stress with being an, an investor in that space. Part of that started in college. So it was right after my first year of summer sales, I did really well. I made a decent amount of money. And I was thinking about like all the fun things that I could spend my money on. I was, I was winding up to go buy a brand new Jeep Wrangler. In my apartment of guys that I live with, two of them are now doctors and one owns his own construction company. I feel like they were all pretty bright guys, but I'm talking to the one that owns his own construction company now. And he he's like, well, Zach, you're going to be living that lifestyle every year if you just come home and spend all your money, buy the things that you want. He's like, it's just going to be that cycle that repeats itself. He's like, why don't me and you team up and buy a property? And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we went through the whole process of buying a home. So you were, you were co-signers on your first property. So we, we were, but this is where it gets a little tricky. The day before we were going to sign the property, the loan fell through. Oh my God. And so we lost our earnest money, which was only a thousand bucks at the time, but it felt like a lot more. Oh yeah. I kind of felt like a little devastated on that, on that project, but we kept running, you know, Excel spreadsheets on what we had to do to make these projects work and make them make the finances work on them. 
And eventually, it was actually right before I, I met my wife, I found a property and it had a mother-in-law unit in the basement. And I ran the numbers and I got my dad to actually buy off on it because I couldn't get the financing by myself. I needed him to co-sign. So I did like the little business presentation to my dad. <laughs> this is how it's going to work. I just need you to co-sign. I know it's <laughs> extremely risky and they tell you never to co-sign with your kids, but I'll, I'll make all the payments. And he's like, okay, we'll do it. So hmm. he, all, all I needed was his signature on the paper. And then a few la years later, I refinanced and got him off. So he didn't have to worry about it anymore. Okay. So your very first property that you were looking at fell through like right before. And then the next one with the mother-in-law apartment is where you kind of pulled in some extra financing to get that under your portfolio. Exactly. And the thing that worked for me on that property is I've been doing that for a while and I've been bugging my parents for a while to co-invest on a property with me because I needed their signature. Because I did all that legwork and I bugged them enough, they finally were willing to do it. So that's kind of where I got my start. And then after that, I just was like, well, I don't want to keep buying properties and trying to get enough rental income that I could take those and that those rental properties would sustain me if I wanted to kind of do different things or live a different lifestyle after that. Okay. I just think it's really helpful for people who are looking at homeschooling, exploring it, or, you know, maybe if their kids are back in the system for a bit, just because that's what they need to do to see that you were homeschooled up until eighth grade. You had this charter school experience, you had your mission, college, and you're okay. There's some trade-offs maybe in some aspects that impacted you. Yeah. I think it's so funny the homeschool stigma that comes across of like, we're going to be like these weird social freaks that can't communicate with anybody. And to a degree, there probably are those. They, they um, exist. Yes. You and I know them. Yes. I know them. Yeah. Yeah. They're I, out there. <laughs> I, I know a few too. And they're, they're really nice people. But it's funny when you have people who are like, oh, you were homeschooled? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I was. And they're like, well, you're so normal. Yeah. I just, it's interesting. And I think that's part of the, this podcast is challenging the stigma and the stereotype, it's different, but it still works. It just, yeah. it works. It's different. I think what's interesting though, is homeschool stigma is going to, I think, fade quickly just with the way people are challenging education now. And I think COVID, I mean, really brought that to light that it's like, Hey, I could stay home and learn just as much from my parents doing an online program as I could go into school. And I think I think that stigma could change here in the, in the future fairly quickly. Yeah, there's momentum and things are really shifting. And I think school choice is, is gaining a lot of awareness and people are thinking differently about how to educate their kids. And so seeing that here is an option, homeschool is an option. If you want to take that route, it, it can work. As we kind of wrap up here, what advice would you give to new homeschooling families? I would say... As parents, I think you just have to make sure your child's accountable. And then the parents also have to maintain accountability because I think there are people that homeschool and they don't do anything with their kids and their kids don't get any education at all. And so I think an accountability on both sides is probably one of the most important things that parents and children will need to do if they're going to be homeschooled. It's funny you say that because <laughs> I've been researching a lot about homeschooling currently. And there's actually this whole subreddit page. It's called Homeschool Recovery. And it's about homeschoolers who have really just suffered. And they, they feel the suffering because they've been at home and they haven't been taught anything. And they're, you know, they're just really struggling. And so I think what you're highlighting, whatever curriculum you decide to go with, if you're going to homeschool, trying to find a way to build an accountability, I think is really powerful. 
And then I think it carries on into adulthood, like with you yourself, learning how to keep yourself accountable will help you in your real estate portfolio, help you at work. Uh, I think it's a really strong adult life skill. Absolutely. I think I got an education from young men's leaders, from my parents, from, from the community at large. And I think that's the other thing that's dangerous with homeschool is that like they, a lot of times they'll isolate themselves because some parents will want to have all the control. And that's what creates that stigma. If you're trying to become well-rounded, I don't think there's any danger with homeschool. I think that's, that's what, what you've got to do is kind of just make sure you're trying to be well-rounded. Yeah, I, I'm very wary when I see elements of either isolationist or protectionist homeschooling. I think there's some some very important things to be aware of if you're moving that direction as a homeschooling family. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Send your kids out in the world and they don't know anything when they're 18? Because, like, have you read the book Educated? No, no, but I am, I'm very familiar with with her whole path. Yeah, you need to read that book. It's insane. That's an example. I feel like if you read that book, you could see her lifestyle. And she gets to college and she doesn't know what the Holocaust was. Right. And, and I, you know, you have that aspect as an individual, but also I just think a big part of life is finding out how you can be valuable to other people, like really help other people and provide value. And you can't do that if you don't know how to interact with others and relate and identify and connect. And so I think there's real impact to having a protectionist approach to homeschooling. Yeah, completely agree with you. Okay, Zach. Well, I really appreciate your time. I think it's really interesting bringing on siblings because your take is different from Winslow's, even though you're right next to each other in the family, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're right there. And he has a different take, a different perspective. And so it's a very individual experience. I appreciate you coming on. Where can we send listeners to learn a little bit more about your work or your portfolio or your real estate uh, endeavors? Instagram's probably the best. It's just at Zach underscore Morel one. Okay. That's kind of where I put majority of my stuff is you'll see there's like pictures of homes that I'm selling, okay. but I do have some family pictures and they could reach out to me there if they wanted to. All right, Zach. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate your insights and we'll catch up some other time. Cool, man. I just keep talking to you again. Hey, everyone. To make sure you don't miss weekly episodes of The Homeschool Dropout, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your preferred podcasting platform.